This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. It's corny with that Illuminati mess. Paparazzi, catch my face. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. I'm so possessive, so I rock his rock necklaces. My daddy, Alabama. Mama, Louisiana. You mix that Negro with that Creole, make a Texas Bama. in my back. I see it. I want it. Hey guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, I am here, Stanley Fritz, looking good as usual. No, I'm not. I need a haircut. And I am in the studio with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs, who's out here in this blue. And you don't know them blood, bear. Changing what? colors, right? <laughs> you I'm know from Bompton, California, bruh. You know what? Watch I don't even, yourself. I, I don't, he, I'm not Stanley, sure what. what? He, this is like the third time today <laughs> that you've been speaking in gibberish. You guys don't speak that gangster talk. I know. Neither do you. You're wearing a button up. You, I am not. This is my gun shirt. That's what I wear when I want to shoot things up. Thank and you very can, much. They can see you via Ustream. Stanley I, is definitely buttoned up today. If I don't look dangerous, stop it, chat. Stop it, chat. Stop. No. Stop that. I am. I am appalled. All right, guys, enough <laughs> joke. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR. And hopefully you guys have a lot of calls to um, make today. And those calls are geared towards us because we have a very amazing show um, ready for you. And we're going to start it off by talking about the Super Bowl. But before we talk about the Super Bowl, and before we talk about all these NFL players, I want to share with you guys a story of heroics that I saw um, about seven years ago. So, I'm a huge football fan, unlike some of the women in here, Selena Hill. You are and not that big of a football fan. Actually, I am. Oh, so fooled me. Whatever. Jets. Exactly. So, um, and I remember I was watching the Detroit Lions. They were playing the Chicago Bears. And John Kitna was their quarterback at the time. This is about a year before they got Matthew Stafford. And... He, he was going on a play. He was doing a quarterback sneak. He was hit really hard, knocked out cold on the field, just laying there. They had to carry him off the field. Took an extended timeout, and the um, announcers were saying, well, you know, they need this drive to win, and the backup quarterback, Charlie Batch, was not good enough to take the win, and they were trying to get John Kitten to come back in. John came back into the game, 
that a quarterback sneak scored for the touchdown. And they, he was like, that was the most amazing thing that I'd ever seen. After the game, he couldn't speak at the interview. And the players were saying that literally, like, he was so concussed, he didn't even know where he was. All he said was just give me the ball and I'll figure it out. The following week, John Kitten was back in the game. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy is amazing. If he, if he can do that, anyone can do that. That same year, Wayne Corbett was still the number one wide receiver, wide receiver for the New York Jets, one of my favorite players in NFL history. This guy was 5'10", but was amazing, would run down the middle to get the catches. He'd never drop the ball. He was a consistent player. But it was this year when Chad Pennington was a quarterback where Corbett was having some injury issues. And in, in one game, Against the Buccaneers, he was hit, knocked out cold. Once again, had a concussion. This was Wayne Corbett's fourth concussion of his career. And they always said that at the seven concussions, you could not play again. So they said Wayne Corbett might, might need to take the week off. But he couldn't because the following week, we were playing the Bears. And we had to win that game to make the playoffs. And Herman Edwards was our coach at the time. Alyssa might remember. And Herman was all about, all about playing hard and not making excuses. Wayne played that Sunday. The Jets played very poorly but still had a chance to win the game at the end. And you know what? It came down to Chad Pennington and Wayne Corbett. Chad Pennington threw a cross pattern to Corbett. Corbett caught it and was shrieking for the end zone. A player hit him and Corbett was falling towards the floor head first. He let go of the ball to protect his head. He was safe when he hit the floor. So he didn't hurt himself, but the Jets lost the ball. It was a fumble. They lost the game. At the end of the game, Wayne Corbett said, I know we were trying to score, but listen, I was I was in a place where I could have really hurt myself. I just got a concussion last week. I can't get another one again. Fans were really upset with him. The media blasted him, and coaches felt like he was being a soft player. But Wayne Corbett was one of the toughest players I'd ever known. You know why? Because he played until he got seven concussions and he couldn't play anymore. And then he talked about how he would forget how to get home and how he would forget big pieces of his day and how he'd get angry all of a sudden for no reason. And he's one of those NFL greats. But even right now, at the age of 41, he's starting to get early age dementia. And Wayne Corbett and John Kitna and players just like them who worked hard, who drove to the end zone, who didn't take games off, even when they were extremely hurt, even when they didn't know where they were, even when they needed smelling salts just to get back to consciousness, they played this game, as we would say, the right way. And now they're dying. They're dropping like flies. Junior Seau, he was one of the best linebackers in NFL history. He played for the San Diego Chargers for a long time, went to New England and got his Super Bowl championship. Four years later, dead, shot himself in the chest. Why? Because he felt like something was wrong with his head, but he couldn't prove it because you had to be dead for them to check your brain to see if they had the issue he thought he had. So he shot himself in the chest, killed himself, and left a note to his kids that have my brain examined. You know what they found when they examined his brain? Lesions. Exactly. The same kind of lesions you have from being hit in the head too many times. But it wasn't just Junior Seau, and it's probably Wayne Corbett, unfortunately, and it's probably John Kitna as well. But there was another player, and I forgot his name, but he played in the early 80s. He shot himself in the chest, too, because he had those same issues. And he told his family, have my brain checked. You know what they found? Lesions. Yep. And you know what the NFL did every time a story like this popped up? Because these stories really started to become prevalent in 2005, 2006, 2007. The NFL would say, no, the game is completely safe. There is no problem. Even though they had a full roster of former NFL players who could barely walk, who could barely remember their names, who would get lost on their way home saying, we need help. We need financial assistance. And the NFL would say, hey, we paid you well when you were here. Yeah, we don't have a retirement plan and there's no health insurance, nothing like that. But you are going to be A-OK. -okay. 
and they filed a lawsuit, and the NFL fought tooth and nail to not have to be responsible for that lawsuit. They recently lost the lawsuit, and they settled. So all these players who reported having issues with brain with brain functions and memory and controlling their emotions, they were on this lawsuit. And you know why they were on this lawsuit? Because they all suffered from multiple concussions. Because for a long time, the NFL would tell players, don't report a concussion. They would just say like a head contusion or dizziness. And players would just come right in. There was no procedure. If you got knocked out one game, you can come right back in that same game or come back in that following week and no one would ask any questions. So there were so many players who had done this for so long and who had had concussions in the 10s and 11s who were now suffering after the fact. And now we come to Ken Stabler, who was a court, who was a quarterback and a, and a NFL great. And he brought the Raiders their 1977 Super Bowl championship. And now he dies. Not from, not from the concussion issues, from cancer. But when they check his brain, what do they find, Alyssa? Lesions. There we go. And here we are with this huge crisis in the NFL with these players whose lives are at stake and we don't know what to do. And because this has been happening and because we just had a great movie talking about this by Will Smith, which the NFL forced the studio to lessen the, the impact of what they were going to be covering in that movie, we have a great guest on the show to help us understand why the NFL has had this issue for so long but has not been doing anything about it, why so many players are losing their memory. And to help us with this conversation, we're going to have Brandon Scoop Robinson, the sports and entertainment journalist and co-host of Brown and Scoop, a daily sports and entertainment podcast through CBS Radio. His writing has appeared on ESPN, Complex, Ebony, and Slam. And Brian, he and I talked very briefly on the excuse me, Brandon, he and I spoke very briefly on the phone. He sounds like a cool guy, so I'm going to ask him, are you rooting for Peyton Manning or the Dab King for the Super Bowl championship, <laughs> Brandon? First of all, man, you you don't even need me on the show. You 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 had all the facts, man. But thank you for having me. Um, I definitely definitely think um Cam Newton uh, and the Carolina Panthers um, will be victorious in Super Bowl Fifty. Uh, guys that have just been grinding all year. Um, aside from all the dabbing and everything that's going on, you know they're a mixture of style and substance. And uh, the, the reigning and the now newly minted MVP, Cam Newton, uh, has his sights set on winning a ring and going against a guy that in Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos who were there two years ago. So I predict it to be a 27-21 Carolina Panthers win, and hopefully he comes out victorious and dabs on him. Yes. <laughs> I need an eight in there so I can win that, that box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. How's everybody doing today? Good. Good. Thanks so much, Scoop, for coming on. Actually, my fun pleasure. fact, I've known him for like years now. I think when we first met, I was like, you got to go on my show. And the opportunity has finally arrived. There we go. And Scoop was like, I I'm busy. Been anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, I appreciate that. Scoop, you could have been at brunch right now. If you go to brunch when you're not here, what are you drinking? Um... My mom's listening, so I'll say pineapple juice mixed with ginger ale. That's there right, mom. That's right, mom. <laughs> and you know, he he pray before he eats his meal too. He knows, of, of course. Well, ain't he Come good? Now? Look at God. All right, guys. So let's get to the let's get to the conversation and stop jibber jabbering around. As Selena would say, if she knew what that meant. Um, so the first question I have for you, Brendan. I know I, I talked about a lot and I covered a lot, but sure. what is it? What exactly is going on in the NFL with this with this crisis right now and concussions? What what exactly is it the um issue the health issue called? Um, CTE, which is, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to lie, but basically CTE is a syndrome that was coined uh, where basically guys are having degenerative issues in their heads. And um, ironically now, I, I just had uh, Warren Moon on my show uh, about two weeks ago. He's actually uh, a guy that, you know, obviously played for the play, journey 
guy played for the Vikings, played for uh, Houston Oilers. Um, he basically, and some other players, are now suing the league and, and getting substantial amount of money uh, because he, they're all saying um, that they have some memory loss and things of that sort. And um, you just hear a lot of things going on now with guys in that. Um, you talked about Junior Seau. He went crazy, and it, it kind of takes him back. Actually, makes me appreciate my mom a lot more. I talked about a few seconds ago. But she wouldn't let me play football as a kid. And, um, you know, you, you take a lot of hits. You take a lot of pounding. And um, in some respects, it may even be worse than boxing. You know, the NFL uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell uh, over the weekend at the Super Bowl meeting said that if he had a son, he'd allow him to play football. And, huh. you know, the NFL really started investigating this stuff in 2009, back when Paul Tagliabue, former commissioner, while was in, was, was, on his way into transition into Roger Goodell, but it was kind of an issue that um, Paul Tagliabue de- uh, deemed as just a media issue and didn't really talk about it. And, you know, I think in an age where you have people always telling somebody to man up, when you talk about Wayne Corbett, he-, he played it smart versus someone else running for a touchdown and can't even speak to the media. I think in this age of awareness and realization now, uh, we're realizing that maybe somebody shouldn't man up. Maybe you should sit down and take the necessary precautions to make sure you're well. And uh, Wayne Corbett had it right. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Just uh, for clarification purpose, CTE, I know you said you didn't want to botch it. It's chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Or that's at least how my sister, when I spoke to her, who's a nurse or training to be a nurse, uh, told me that it, how it's pronounced. Um, but what I find so interesting about it is for a long time they felt that, like, quarterbacks couldn't get it, that other that you had to be somebody who was, like, a defensive player or somebody mm-hmm. who get into a lot of head-to-head collisions. And I think that that's why the Ken Stabler story is so, uh, so important because he's actually, according to the New York Times, the seventh former MFL quarterback to be found to have it. Um, in, in fact, actually, a study that was done by Boston University is showing that 90 to 94 percent, um, 90 out of 94, I'm sorry, f- former NFL players that they have examined, including Tyler Sash, who was only 27 years old mm. when he died back in September, uh, have the disease. Um, and, uh, you know, there's uh, been numerous other articles that have come out this week about a lot of other football players sure. that have absolutely no recollection of even playing in the NFL um, huh. as they've aged. That they're, um, I'll get the name maybe when we go on break and I'll have it when we come back, but um, that he has no recollection of actually playing in the National Football League at all. Uh, so, I mean, the problem to me seems widespread. And when I spoke to one of my professors the other day about it that I happened to run into from New York Law School, and he told me that Ken Stabler is sort of the game changer because he's so well known and and also because um, of the fact that he was a quarterback and not another player. So I guess I was just looking to get your input on that, Brandon, which is, do you think Ken Stabler is really the game changer that's going to push the NFL towards going a different route? Well, you know, I, I think it's a combination of things. Ken Stabler, definitely. I, I wanted to touch on a point that you made about the quarterback position and getting being at risk. To be honest with you, I, I think that the quarterback position is more at risk in some respects than the defensive player because you, when you're on offense and you're trying to get someone open and you're sacked, I mean, you got five guys coming, three, three to five guys coming at you, and you're falling on that grass, and, it, you, and you have a helmet on, to, and you have other helmets banging you, and 10 pounds worth of pass, I feel like you are more at risk than, say, a defensive player. 
Um, I, I think that with uh, the research, and I just think the NFL just has had bad luck over the last three to five years, even dating back to the domestic violence mm-hmm. um, issues that have been going on. I think when you really take a look at the NFL and just social media and just 24-hour news coverage, you know, be careful what you do because karma comes back to bite you in the butt. And I think that with the NFL sweeping things under the rug and them having so much influence and power in media, um, you can only cover but so much. A, a, a person who's an independent journalist can come in and, and decide that they want to do it, and it's separate from a new media perspective. Just like you see Al Jazeera covering whether or not Peyton Manning used some type of HGH. To that point, I think that with Ken Stabler, I think that's an, another example of how the NFL maybe could have done better. Uh, I think when you're talking about people's lives, I've often had people on my show that were former players who say they're not paid enough to take the hits that they take and not have guaranteed contracts. And then when their career is over, they have nothing to show for it. So I think bigger than just players being hurt, I think that, you know, it's an issue of money. I mean, obviously there's a choice that they made. They made a choice to play football. They didn't make a choice to play in the NBA or NFL, or rather NBA and Major League Baseball, where contracts are guaranteed. But I think that um, you, you also have to think about 15 to 20 to 30 years from now. And I think a guy like Calvin Johnson of the Detroit Lions, who recently is rumored he hasn't confirmed it, is retiring. He's retiring at 30, and hopefully he, he can go on to other business ventures. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's about playing it smart at the end of the day. Absolutely. Uh, the name that I was looking for before is actually a guy named Willie Wood. Uh, he is well known for um, a famous interception uh, during the very first Super Bowl versus Kansas City. Uh, and right. he says he remembers absolutely nothing of the play. And he, in fact, he doesn't even remember being on the NFL roster and playing in the first Super that, Bowl. Selena? Yeah, no, that that's crazy. Um, so we actually had a tweet from NFL caveman doctor who said the NFL keeps lying about CTE concussion. Football Bulls killing men and giving brain disease to all who play. And that tweet kind of segues into the question that I had. How is the NFL <clears throat> sort of handling it now? I know that Stanley touched upon it and we talked about it a little bit. Um, but there was a long time when the NFL was completely denying that this was taking place, this was happening, and that there's a link. And even um, Roger Goodell um, recently was like scared to use the word link. He was like, okay, there's an association yeah. between football and CTE, but there's no link. And I'm like, why is he playing word semantics? Liability. Why can't they? Why can't they just keep it straightforward? I mean, don't they want the trust of the football of football players and fans? Well, first of all, when you said NFL caveman tweeted, did he include that that clip? Why are you always lying to that tweet? <laughs> no, but he I, didn't. No, he did not include that. Yeah. <laughs> he should have though. Yeah, he should have next time. But no, to your point about the whole link and, and associated. It is a play on words. I felt like I was on an episode of uh, Judge Judy uh, with the wordplay. What it was was basically there was a doctor who was associated with the NFL who said um, he used the word link and said that just because you play football doesn't mean you're going to get CTE, basically backtrack. And he said just like there's people who smoke that don't get cancer. Now, by no stretch of the imagination, am I a doctor? I am not professionally trained in that. I am a writer, and I interview people all day. But I do think that the more you do get hit, uh, the more I feel you do, just personally, you you, you run a risk of of having those issues. And you got to take into account, particularly with guys who are training so hard 
to get to the next level. They've been getting them type of hits since they were seventh and eighth grade. Mm, you know what? And when we come back from this break, we're going to talk about should kids even be playing football? So great point, Brandon. Again, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We're talking about football's concussion crisis. We're going on a quick break, but we'll be right back. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. And we are talking about the NFL concussion crisis and the CTEs happening in people's brains all over the place. And if you are just tuning in, I'm here with Selena Hill and Alyssa Fuchs. And we have Brandon Mother Loving Scoop as our guest on the show. But before we get back to him and we let Selena talk about her favorite NFL bays and Alyssa <laughs> give us some science and law, we have a caller on the line who I want to let speak because she's cool and she has nice arm muscles. This is Bianca. Oh my gosh. Hey, Bianca. Thank you, Stanley. Hi, good morning, everyone. Good morning. So, I do have a question about this case. Um, I know CT is huge in the NFL. However, is the NFL, are they putting in enough rules to, to, um, to ridicule or make sure these players are getting, you know, the right type of, I can't think of the word right now, um, repercussions for causing these injuries? For example, um, Vontae Burfitt, he he caused a concussion to Antonio Brown during the playoffs this, uh, this current season, and he's only suspended for three games um, next at the start of next season. Do that's you a lot think of games. That's enough for players who are causing these low blows and terrible injuries that are causing concussions? Well, Bianca, thank you for answering that question, and I want to let um, Scoop answer it as well. But before you know, we get to him, I want I do want to mention in college football now they have specialized helmets where they can kind of rank like how hard the hit is, and like it'll let you know like what's going on over there. The NFL has not invested in this, which tells me that they're not interested, or that they don't care, or they don't want to spend the money. And the NFL is also a place where, as I joked in the, in introducing um after the break, I signed a ten year contract and they cut me three months into it, where none of the money is guaranteed. So I don't think they're doing enough. I don't think they care enough. I think um, with so many more stories coming out about it, it's forcing their hand, but they're not putting that effort in. Scoop? Well, I think that that was an excellent question. I think that um, one thing that you have seen the NFL do is just the their rule changes, um, where they're more uh, proactive in calling uh, plays or calling, calling penalties, rather, on um, on things that people do. So the Vontaze birthday incident, for example, um, that's that three game suspension. Uh, I think bef- before 2009, uh, the NFL was less proactive in that regard. Uh, I-, I think they just called a lot of penalties uh, now than ever before. So, I mean, it- it- there's a correlation in the prime of players' career. Um, but there's no correlation, I don't think, afterward. I think it's just it, it, A and B, C comes after. I, I think there's a situation where um, you, you call these penalties on guys and they take these these um, suspensions. But also, a lot of those, a lot of that money for those type of penalties goes towards um, concussion issues, whether that's studies on concussions or funding players for after their career is over. So. Um, in a situation where you have that, uh, I guess the NFL is, is basically forming some sort of mea culpa in the way that the way that they uh, they handle that. So um, I think that I think it's good, but I think again, as I said before the break, it's a little too late because um, the NFL for so long has swept many things under the rug. Alyssa, right? Yeah, no, and I agree with that, but I also think that 
it sort of ignores part of the problem because when you focus only on a bunch of, I'll call them bad actors or bad apples that are engaging in conduct that they know uh, is not appropriate, like, you know, these personal fouls, low blow hits, uh, you know, it, you know, head to head hits, that's like a small subset of people and it ignores the larger issue about football just being one of the most dangerous sports when it comes to concussions in general, putting aside the fact that there's individuals that engage in dirty hits. I mean, you look at football compared to a sport like hockey, and hockey is literally a sport where you can punch somebody in the face Mm -hmm. and do a five-minute penalty, where there is lots and lots and lots of physical contact, and yet, in hockey, there has been few cases of CTE. Um, usually, I mean, the, one of the most famous ones uh, was a guy who played for the Rangers who was considered to be the enforcer. I mean, his job was to get in fights and his job was to get punched in the face and punched in the head constantly. But if you compare a sport like hockey, which is extremely physical and where there is a lot of hits, you still see a situation where CTE is not prevalent in the sport of hockey the way it is in the sport of football. So I think you can't just focus on these few bad actors that, you know, get suspended for a few games, have to pay fines, you also have to ask the bigger question, which I know is what Selena wants to get into, which is about football itself as a sport and not just about these few people. Selena? No, you're absolutely right. And before we went on break, Scoop, you mentioned how 7th and 8th graders, um, you know, they're also incurring and, and, and suffering from some some type of damage. I don't know how serious it is, but, you know, common sense tells you you take enough hits as a child leading up to a teenager and then an adult, more than likely you're putting yourself at risk and parents are putting them putting their children at risk. So I wanted to get your take on that and over the whole debate on should children play football? Well, if children don't play football, you won't have adults who play football in the NFL or, or, or the college game. But um, I do think, I mean, obviously, like I said, you, you, players are, you know, for me, I went to a prep school, a nationally ranked uh, prep school, where um, football players were produced, and I have friends who are in the NFL now. And I saw them take hits in, in high school. Um, and, and I've seen some people that I went to high school with, that they got burned out because their goal was to make it to the NFL. I think when you put such a, a, a premium on making it to the league or making it to the next level, you have kids going hard uh, to get that Division One scholarship in high school and then you know pushing even harder in college to get to the next level. Um, I think I, I'll say that I'm thankful that I, I found a skill in running my mouth and using a pen and appearing on your show, but I, I think that um, – it does make parents leery as to whether or not they should play. But to go back to that point about hockey, hockey is, a, is not as – I don't really consider hockey an impact sport. Hmm? Because I do, but I don't. Hear me out. Football, you're getting hit every play. In hockey, you're, you're still skating. Even though you're, you're hitting people, it's not impact every down. Where hockey, it, it's a little different. Like, you're still skating. It, it, it's, it's not – Exactly basketball, yeah. but it's it's not it's not football either, and it's not boxing, so it's a little different. But I so the fact that there's a correlation with there's no CT issues found yet, it doesn't surprise me because yeah, the, the the strongest thing that you'll get more is being punched in the face, or you get a high sticking penalty, um, and you you might fight, but that's not happening all the time. 
Great point on that, Scoop. I wanted to just follow up with you about children playing football because, I mean, I I get your point. You have to start young if you want to make it into the league. But a 2015 study at Boston University, uh, researchers, they scanned the brains of 42 former NFL players, half of whom um, began, if they had began playing tackle football before the age of 12, um, they were performing Basically, they were performing worse on um, exams, and they basically had um, more symptoms of um, having, like, brain damage, et cetera, et cetera, when they became adults. So, I mean, if the thing is, if you are an advocate for children playing football, are there any safety precautions that we can put in place? Like, maybe, like, I would tell, like, my unborn son. basketball. Well, no, I'm saying, like, can, yeah. can, you, tell, can you tell a child or can you kind of, like, eliminate some of the impact in children playing football? I don't see how you can really change it. I, I think, you know, maybe shortening quarters. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the what the, the length is for PE football, but, you know, if you're playing a six-minute game, I mean, maybe playing a three- to four-minute or a six-minute quarter, maybe playing three- to four-minute. Um, I mean, you can't really tell somebody don't get hit. That's inevitable. Uh, but like my buddy over there said, play basketball, you know, it, it, it's, it's or, you know, play another sport, play chess. Swim, but right. you know to tell somebody you know don't get hit. I, I like that's like that's like uh, telling a starving person don't pick up a fork and eat. Right. No, that makes sense. I, I, I'm just we're getting a comment from uh, politically preposterous. Allie Brooks said that she's relieved that her son has zero interest in playing football uh, and that she would not consent to allowing him to play because of the concussion probability and the lasting effects. Um, and, you know, that that's an interesting comment. But I know that there's another part of this that I know Selena wanted to mention, and I'll bring it up and then we can discuss it, which is when we look at the the people who are going in to play football. When we look at the demographics of those who play football, uh, we find that, um, and it's not everybody, but like a, a good portion of the people who are going into playing football are people that come from low-income communities of color. And it's almost as if football is the way out, right? And so that means that there's now a socioeconomic and even racial aspect to this conversation about who is sure. higher who is at a higher risk to develop CTE? And we're talking about children playing football and the need to start early. Well, if you're, um, you know, some young guy and you're growing up in a very poor neighborhood um, and you want to start early, like you don't want to play three, four minute quarters. You want to play the full game. You want to, you know, practice as hard as you can, play as hard as you can. That means you're going to take head hits starting very, very young in order to then go eventually maybe go to take head hits when you end up being in the NFL. Like that's the position you're put in and you don't have the kind of option to go maybe pick up a pen instead of a football. Stanley wants Um, to comment on that too. I I don't want to comment on that. and I want to make sure we get our caller on the air. I would push back on that just slightly because I don't think that – I think football is one of those sports where – I mean you're definitely going to see proportionally more people of color playing football – but there are definitely white players playing football um, at a higher clip than you would say maybe the NBA, and I think that like the, the um, they face the same struggles. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that socio well socioeconomic yes, but racially no. I don't think I don't think you mentioned racial, but I just want to th- throw that in there as well. No, I, as yeah. I always say, socioeconomic sometimes race plays into yeah. that. Yeah, and that was the point I was making. Uh, okay, so well, I just, often than not, it does, but then it's, there are some isolated incidents, and I think that. You know, it's a mixed bag when you talk about that because everybody's circumstance is different, right? So you think that, you know, somebody rapping or playing ball or, you know, what have you gets them out. But that goes back to circumstances. And I think that that's a touchy subject. But I do think that 
the realistic part of it is, is I think sometimes when you see people that look like you play in the league, you think that that's your way out. And sometimes it can be for con- confusing for people who may not be as good to, to play to, um, to, to play and did not make it. So that creates a whole nother avenue of, okay, I'm injured. What do I do now? So it's it, it's kind of you get a lot of mixed messages there because there's some people who are going to make it, the ones that are really good that make it, but then what about the ones who get burned out after high school and college who now have to come home and not be able to use their brain faculties to the fullest? Yep. So, and, and uh, Scoop, just um, I want to make sure we get our call online, Miss Deborah. Please let your voice be heard. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing and why. Uh, sometimes if if you give a child, uh, and, and I've seen it, I've seen people give their children uh, football, like for Christmas, there's nothing like it. If you see somebody with a box and they open it up, you would think that somebody gave them the songs for the keys of life. And then mm-hmm. later on, when they can't play anymore, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, I heard the gentleman say that, you know, um, you know, they don't give you, you know, like maybe they don't pay you enough. If your brains are, are mush and someone paid you a trillion dollars, I mean, what are you going to do? Have a wheelchair with a lot of bling and your neck brace with a lot of bling, bling and then let doctors just, you know, just take your money until there's nothing left. And then, you know, like they don't, they don't understand. It's almost like sometimes you see athletes, not all, but it's almost as if they're afraid of the book. Just give me the football. I can mm-hmm. I can run with this, but forget the book. That's because they're trained like that. They're trained at home like that. And people don't want to talk about parents, but it's the truth. Because when he gets out, everybody wants to get out. This Thank you for that, Miss Deborah. Thank you so much for calling in. I know we're going to start to talk about the solutions, and Stanley's going to lay some out uh, during his closing, but I wanted to let everyone know what Bianca Marley tweeted to us. She said, referees have to play a major role in calling penalties, put trust in coaches to coach properly, and we need to invest in better protection, uh, for example, tech-based helmets. So I think that you know those seem like very practical solutions. Will the NFL take it that far and do that? Um, who knows when they're finally like forced to absolutely do that they wow. will but it, it it hasn't reached that point yet scoop i just i want to get your thoughts on that before we let you go oh sorry about that scoop which part um do, like do you think that like nfl will be willing to invest in the, the proper tech to really support these players so that they're not running into these issues maybe 10 years from now i think the nfl is taking their time i think that the nfl like i said has proven that unless it damages. I've often used this phrase that it's a million. It's a billion dollar organization with million dollar workers, and as long as they're not messing up their billions, they're gonna kind of care. I, I just think that they're going to be behind with technology, and that's just because they don't care. You know, it, 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 it's no other way to really put it. To quote DJ Khaled, they don't want you to win. Mm-hmm. You know, so, major <laughs> so, key alert. Yes, I kind of alert. But I, I just think that it, they're going to take their sweet time and until another case happens where somebody dies, somebody, you know, and, and whatever else happens. But they, they haven't proven to be vigilant and, and doing it the right way. So I don't really see, I'm, I'm skeptical whether they're going to. All right, Brandon, can you tell the listeners how they can hear your show and how they can see your writing or read your writing if they can still read? Well, first and foremost, you guys can check out my website, scoopb.com. Um, there you can find all my writing, uh, TV appearances on CBS This Morning and everywhere else. We actually went viral last week, and we're actually on TMZ. So 
Uh, we're making moves there. You can also check out the show itself. Uh, it's play.it slash Brown and Scoop. And if you have uh, iTunes, make sure you search podcast Brown and Scoop. We just celebrated our 100th episode this week. Mm. And Congratulations. Uh, we in there like swimwear. And I <laughs> want to thank you guys so much for having me on today, represent my brand, and to talk about something that's so very serious. Make sure to also follow me on Twitter at Scoop B and Instagram at Scoop underscore B. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, Scoop. Tell Bevel to holler at us, all right? Thanks, Scoop. I will, I will. <laughs> you know, the last thing he said was that it may be something like 10 years before the NFL actually does anything about it. And what you may not know, but you could go look it up, is back in the early 1900s, around 1905, there was actually a push to actually ban football outright because there was concerns about head injuries even as early as the early 1900s, before there was ever even a Super Bowl. But my response, and the one thing that I wanted to say before Stanley closes this segment out, is that the NFL may be forced to move quicker because there are many lawsuits going on. I know there's one big one pending right now. There's going to be more big lawsuits that come. And depending on the outcomes of those lawsuits, the NFL may be forced to act quicker than 10 years. So we'll have to see how the legal system pushes the NFL uh, into a corner, essentially, to deal with this issue, depending on the outcome of some of those civil actions. Stanley? You are absolutely right, Alyssa. I was going to call you Selena. I don't know how I made that mistake. But anyways, guys, I do want to close this out. And I want to I want to stated an argument here and you guys might think I'm crazy but have you ever played football and you probably have but you probably have never played tackle football and let me tell you there is no better feeling no manlier feeling than when you have that ball in your hands and you're going through a crowd and you pop you pop through you push through and you manhandle everyone and you make it all the way to the end zone you there's no other way to feel more powerful than when you get you take that contact and you don't fall you feel like the ultimate man the ultimate titan you stand strong and no one can stop you and growing up when you're a little boy you always want to be that big tough strong man you want to be like your dad. You want to be like Michael Jordan. You want to be like Deion Sanders or Barry Sanders. You want to be like Terrell Owens. You want to be like Keyshawn Johnson. You want to be like Wayne Corbett or maybe Brett Favre, who got knocked down so many times that he, sometimes he couldn't remember where he was, but he'd still throw a 50-yard touchdown pass to win the game. And all these players were just like me when they were kids. They played some peewee football, and they were the running back, or they were the linebacker, and they felt that rush of adrenaline and excitement when they got to play, when they tackled someone, when they broke the tackle, when they popped through the, the offensive line, and they got addicted. They got so addicted, they carried it through their whole lives, and they get to the NFL, and now this, the thing that they've loved so much is making them sick, is making them jury. They can't focus. They're forgetting things. But how can you let go of something that's been a part of you for, for so long? You're literally telling someone to stop being who you are, and for some players, they can do that. There, there was a player on the Cincinnati Bengals after one year. He retired, took his $12 million contract, opened a farm. He's not playing football anymore. But that's not an easy step to take. A lot of these people, like Alyssa mentioned, come from poverty. They can't just walk away from the game. They can't just do that. So instead, they have to keep on banging their heads and going at the tackles and breaking tackles and making catches in traffic and hoping for the best. And the NFL... They never cared about the players. That's why you don't get guaranteed contracts. That's why even if somebody gave you 10 years of hard time for your team and played hurt and played with concussions, you can cut them and say it's a business. But when a player asks for more money and fans get mad at them, they're being selfish. That's why, because this sport and the culture of this sport is not meant to care about people. It is the ultimate Republican game in real life. They don't give a crap about you. 
They give a crap about the business. So they won't make a big fuss when the player hits a woman. They won't make a big fuss when the player goes to jail. They won't make a big fuss when the player is doing those things because maybe he can't control his emotions anymore from all those concussions. And they won't make a big fuss when that same player dies because you know what? They'll play a montage in the field and it'll be over. That'll be the end of the conversation. Because the NFL, they don't have to care because it's all about the bottom line. And until we force them to think about things outside of the bottom line, it'll never change. So you got two options. Don't let your kids play football or make the make the NFL very, very, very uncomfortable. But it's in your hands. Paparazzi catch my fly and my cocky fresh. I'm so reckless when I rock my Givenchy dress. I'm so possessive, so I